hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Begonia over Zoom video. Begonia was born and raised in Winnipeg and talks about how she got into music. She always loved to sing, knew from a very early age she wanted to sing, played a little bit on piano and guitar, and ended up starting her first band while in high school. She talked about a cover band she was in for a while that used to play a local bar in Winnipeg. They would do a weekly residency, do a bunch of covers, play for like five hours. She talked about that experience. She ended up auditioning for an already formed band called Chic Gamine. They weren't called that at the time, but a few of the members broke off. They still had a contract and they formed Chic Gamine. And Begonia joined that uh, girl acapella group. She spent about eight years performing with them. Talked about that experience, going to L.A. for the first time, touring for the first time. And when that band kind of fizzled out is when she started her solo project, Begonia. She told us about the success of the song Juniper off of her first EP, what that was like having her song on the radio, being nominated for a Juno Award, and all about the brand new album, which is called Powder Blue. You can watch our interview with Begonia on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Begonia. Begonia, it's very, very nice to meet you. I'm Adam. Hi. Hi, this is a podcast about you and uh, your journey in music, and we'll talk about your new album. Sounds and good. I don't know if you mind talking about Shikami, because you were in that for a little bit of time, I believe. Yeah, like right? eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't mind. I'd, I'd imagine that's kind of a, probably a, a big chunk of part of your music, so... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we don't have to stick on it too long, but I always like to ask first before I I poke at some. That's thing. very respectful. <laughs> That's very surprisingly respectful. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first off, where were you born and raised? Winnipeg, Manitoba. Okay, tell me about growing I, up. That's where I still still live reside right now. Yeah. Wow, what's it like there? What's it like growing up there? It's cold for like. Yeah six to seven months of the year it's like kind of wind <laughs> it's it's a vibe it's a vibe it's is a it vibe. cold there it's now like, it, it's cold right it now up? it's pretty cold right now it's like yeah weather wise whatever but i mean it, it definitely is the type of place where there's a lot of like freaky artists that live here cool. because a it's affordable to be a freaky artist and live here and b i don't know yeah i feel like it just kind of like gets the fluff out in some ways too like people stay here and during the winter months they just like go to their basements and like whittle or do whatever like just make stuff Get creative sure yeah, yeah and then they come out and it, it just feels like it's like a resilient crew of people whittle <laughs> until the weather I gets nice. the <laughs> like i just picture like a crackling fireplace like i don't have one but just like someone just like whittling i'm sure there is someone like whittling right now <laughs> So, I'm so looking out my window. Is the neighbor whittling? We'll have to yes, exactly. find out later. <laughs> uh, do you come from a musical family? Not particularly like music appreciators. Like there's okay. always playing in the house, but my dad is a visual artist and my mom worked at a bank, like a teller. Oh, cool. So dad was, yeah, dad's an artist. Dad's an artist. So I grew up kind of, but like still he was very much my dad. Like it was very like, he wasn't like, let's get freaky and like finger paint. So like he was, he <laughs> and was whittle. like, and whittle. <laughs> he was very open. Like my parents were very open with whatever I wanted to do, but I also like grew up pretty religiously as well. Okay. Um, so there was always like church music, like influence and stuff like that, but they weren't necessarily super conservative, but I did find myself kind of in conservative like circles in that way from growing up in the church because of what, for whatever reason, but but yeah, no one was particularly musical, but they were very music positive. <laughs> got it. Got it. Did you grow up like singing in the church at all? Yeah, I did. Yeah. At school, like 
for like musicals and stuff and in the church. Yeah, definitely. I always find that fascinating when with artists, I've interviewed a lot of artists that have, that started off in the church. It's like, you have a kind of a guaranteed built-in audience there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people are going to show up. (laughs) And if you're a kid too, like no one's allowed to be like, boo to a kid. Right. Come on. It's great. You have built an audience that has to tell you that you did a good job. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you play an instrument or did you go out and start on piano or anything as a young Yeah, young like I took piano lessons. I started to play guitar when I was like 14. And then I met um, like my first bandmate, bandmate, basically. His name's Joey Landreth and he's like a guitar god. And he was basically when I met him at 15. And I was like, whoa, he started when he was four. I'm way too old for this. So I kind of like. You aged out like at like 14. At the knees a little bit there like who knows maybe i could have been a virtuoso by now no i i play mostly for myself at this okay. point like, i played on stage a little bit but i just find that i am the most at home singing being a singer i i, I sometimes sometimes like compose a little on like piano or guitar but for the most part i just yeah voice yeah cool um so that band that you you started you were what, a high school age? Yeah. Did you guys like write your own original songs and did you play out at all? Well, so or? we met through the church, like through, oh. and that was more when I started doing more like evangelical kind of like praise and worship, like, yeah, kind of music or whatever. Uh-huh. And I met them through this mentor who had us all, like he was older and we were all high school kids in his band. And I met them through that. And then we would go around to different churches and like, it was, pardon me my first foray in performing like properly like honestly right. learned how to coil cables i remember like oh, yeah. all that under kind of over. Stuff. i was like ah! yeah like under <laughs> well under over but you gotta like give it a little twist and then because like, <laughs> i didn't want to just be like a singer like i wanted to know how to do the dirty work you know like i felt very like i had something to prove from the beginning in some way. So I was mm-hmm. like, I don't have a cool cables. Like, tell me what else I need to know. Like whatever. Yeah. Just learn the whole trade. I mean, that's yeah. Cool. So then I met those pals through the Christian music sphere, but then all of us started to kind of like phase out of that a little bit. Right, like right. Mentally. And then we still had each other and we were like, wouldn't it be cool to be in a bar band? <laughs> How badass would that be? <laughs> and did so you we form like, a badass bar band? Yeah, we like started learning covers. Like it started mostly from like covers of our favorite artists and like Joey, like learning all these blues riffs, like just ripping from like Stevie Ray Vaughan and like Robin Ford and stuff. And then we were doing like Stevie Wonder stuff and like Erica Badu stuff and Joni Mitchell stuff and like just like like a whole wide variety. And we would get we had this weekly gig every Wednesday at a bar called Hooligans. And we would play from like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. for like 35 bucks. Oh and my like, gosh. <laughs> and I didn't drink really then either. So people would just be like wasted. But I was like, felt like we had made it in a way because we had a gig. Like, yeah, and a like, regular gig. It felt like a big deal. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was such a, a, a teeth cutting kind of moment. Like now, if someone was like, hey, I have this great opportunity for you to play Hooligans Pub for 35 bucks a week for like four hours of work or however many hours that is like of work. Yeah, I'd be like, like five hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, no, like disgusting. But yeah, come I love, sing at come even anywhere, right? Come sing for five hours. I got thirty. Well, exactly. <laughs> but then it's like that's what I'm so thankful for, like the greenness and curiosity of like being a, a kid in that way. Mm-hmm. you're probably it's just like, stoked to get paid you're like we're getting paid exactly like yeah my parents would come there every wednesday my mom would have one glass of white wine my dad would have one beer we play the same stuff every week but they were like you never know like maybe Joey something a different solo or like someone else will come up or like whatever it's like it felt like a and like we amassed like a small following like in winnipeg and we'll play other bars and we started kind of writing our own music as well. Like that was a, and recorded like a few songs, like made little demos that like I would burn CDs, write on them, pass them out at the show, like that kind of vibe. That's cool. And and a couple of were your own songs. Would you play those during those sets too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sprinkle them in? Oh yeah, for sure. And sometimes I'd be like, we wrote this and other times I'd be like, 
I don't know how this is going to go over. So I just like be like, okay, next song. <laughs> yeah, don't this is the cover of, it. but no one's listening anyways. Like this is the cover of, hit it, yeah. like whatever. Yeah, they're just stoked to be drunk and dancing around. Oh my gosh. When I, I remember this man, maybe this is just my memory deceiving me, but this man in like, I think like a top hat or something like came to our show and was like, you guys are so great. And just like started throwing money on stage, like throwing money <laughs> at us. And we're like, oh like didn't know what to do we're like teenagers so we're like oh my gosh is this allowed like i was like looking at my mom like is this allowed but he like had a top hat and was like super rich (laughs) he said said we were going to be famous but we didn't hear from him after that but he did give us like 500 bucks which was yeah and and you made it right i mean that worked out he knew he knew that was it we went to mcdonald's after that we were like damn (laughs) (laughs) big celebration yeah i bet um hopefully the the ice cream machine wasn't broken that day oh always such a bummer but um (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say so from that that band that you were playing in like at what point do you meet the other girls and then inform Chica, it's Chicami, right? Yeah, Chicamin, yeah. Like I'm, I'm the the anglophone of the group. I always say it many different ways, but okay. they uh, uh, so they're kind of, they were like kind of like a generation older than me, and I had heard about a lot of the singers in that band, like in a different band prior, and I had heard about them kind of growing up in the scene, being like, oh yeah, they're in this other vocal group, and I'd heard yeah, it was just group. like an acapella group, correct? Yeah, Madrigaya yeah. they were called, and then through the grapevine, I heard that like one of the singers was going on to do something else, so they needed a sub, so I was gonna audition MySpace, I messaged them on MySpace, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, like, I really, I've heard these things, like, I'd love to audition to be a sub, like, because I just wanted to sing, and like, I was just so, and I respected them so much and I had no like singing mentors really like in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I had an audition and I'm on my way to the bus stop and they call me and they're like, you know what? We actually don't need you anymore. So don't bother like coming for the audition. So I was like, okay, I won't. And then what I hear later is that their band actually broke up and they didn't know me. So they weren't going to tell me that their band was breaking up, but like that the band broke up. So that day that I was like on my way to the bus stop, they were just like, well, there's no point in bringing her here because we're not even going to do anything anyways. But so that, this was a yeah. different band. This was that first band you said. Yeah. Okay. This is their other band. So they had all these contracts to fulfill like with their agencies. And I think from what I gleaned afterwards is they begged them like, keep us on. We're going to put something else together. Like, cause three of the girls still wanted to do stuff. Four other of the girls went off to do other things whatever oh, wow. they're a, quite a group that's a lot of people there's like eight people and wow. maybe i just described seven then maybe there's seven people i don't really know but there are a lot of people <laughs> and so a few of them split off and were like we still want to do this they still want to keep their contracts the fire was there but then they were like we need one more singer for whatever like all of this i don't know all the arbitrary reasoning behind right it. but you made it in but i made it in they started coming to my gigs like in the back of the bar just kind of watching and then they'd leave and i had another friend who was like i think they're checking you out like out you like be they're scouting you like to be a part of your and then we went for coffee and sure enough they were like we have a gig in la like like, you know like flashy flashy like we have a gig in la next month that we have to fulfill from our last contract and i was like oh my gosh i have a gig at o'donlin's pub next month (laughs) like with my bar band like what am i gonna do like it felt like Oh my gosh. You're betraying the bar band. I had to make this huge decision. Right. And it tore, it tore my 19 year old brain in half. Like it was like, here are these people that I had come up with that I had loyalty to that were my age that we were crunching through it like together. And then I have these people that are doing this thing with a promise of travel, which was something I was so interested in and like touring, which I had never done. And like, this promise of this mystery future with people I didn't really know. And my dad was like, what do they want from you? Like thinking they're like pyramid scheme people or something like, right. whatever. like not trusting come back them. selling like shakes or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Vitamins or some shit. But no, then I had another kind of mentor in my life who was like, if you don't take that opportunity, you're dumb. Like you have to, you have to just like, this is the time. Like I would hate for you to look back and, be playing at like Finn McHugh's pub or whatever and be so sad that you didn't just like see like 
because like to not let your loyalty kind of take over like the smart decision like for your life or whatever Mm -hmm. and it all turned out okay like that it really like crushed that relationship for a while with my bandmates and i had to deal with that but now years have passed joey landreth lives a few blocks away from me he tours with another band called the bros landreth like the bass player i'm friends with like we're all it was yeah. like time time yeah he was there not no one's gonna carry that right wait no, like, everyone, oh, i can't believe you left our bar band but everyone was better off it felt so serious in the moment though like oh, teenage problems like teenage hormones like it felt like the end of the world and now but then everyone went off and did their thing and it felt like meant meant to be and whatever right. yeah whatever. so once you join those ladies and you play la like that must have been big right you get to los angeles and, and i, I like i was seeing i was watching interviews with you all and stuff you, you got to be in like part of that that, that must have been such a cool experience that it was so cool and i was just at first like for the first few years i feel like i was just on the ride because i didn't know my head from my feet like i didn't i was just kind of like whoa like they right. give me like like i didn't know the business acumen like that like i didn't know the ins and outs of like how to make it work. I just knew they told me like we went to, we rehearsed all the time. Like we were together all the time, but I wasn't like the boss. Like I didn't make all the, I was a part of making decisions, but I didn't know where the business card was. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know who booked the hotels. Like I was just like, Woo! yeah, you just, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Which makes, I mean, they had like already been doing it right. And they, they totally. the contracts in and out and you're just kind of probably learning at that. Totally. Point. And I felt like my head was exploding with knowledge. Like we just were right in there and we were in a scene like with this agent that then kept us on for a period of time as this new group, we were in this interesting kind of like folk festival, international festival scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many of those freaky festivals all over North America, like in like, think of like every little city in California, in Northern California, you've ever heard of, like, there are just so many, like, yeah. And it was so fun though. Like it was people I would have never met places. I would have never gone like, because we were this like cute girls in a folk group, like doing this thing. Like, so we got all these like really cool opportunities and had so many unique adventures like as a result of being in that like niche kind of scene Mm -hmm. which was interesting wow and you got ended up doing that for eight years you said yeah and i mean midway through we were like we want to be cooler so we were like let's do badass music like instead of cute music or whatever so then we like we kind of like changed our sound a little bit and that's when also my head started poking out of the sand being like hey I understand this a bit better now. And like, I started taking on more responsibility and like we were self-managed like near the end. And I was doing a lot of that work as well. So I felt kind of like really clear eyed of like what was going on for the first time and was like, Oh, this is a crazy life. And then, yeah, we, it just, yeah, we were doing it for a long time. We really loved each other. I think we wanted to stay um in love with each other <laughs> and not like there there comes a time sometimes like in bands like that and it's really hard to say goodbye but you it's like expired meat or something it's like maybe it could last like a little bit longer but like you will get sick like if you try to eat that it's like there, there there's an expiry date on meat especially like yo like c- certain things like you could stretch it a bit but like meat like yeah you don't want to really go past it. that yeah. like you see the date it's like, why would you want to make yourself sick? Like that meat is great right before the expiry date. Like that's what I felt like in the band. It was just like, we love each other and we do good work, but we're kind of there. There's a bit of an expiry date here. That mm-hmm. is clear. So we could push through that because no one's willing to be the one to say it's over. And it took us a long time to just be like mutually, like it's nobody's fault. Right. You're just like in this <laughs> relationship where you're like at both people want out and you're just like, okay, I'm not going to be the one to do it. <laughs> it's like a funky ass marriage. Like right. it is so the intimacy that you share, like with bandmates that you tour with, it's like nothing like I've had relationships, whatever. It's like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Right. I mean, you're with them 24 seven pretty much traveling oh yeah uh, you know tight knit quarters and yeah yeah. 
And you just have to like take deep breaths sometimes being like, okay, is this a fundamental problem or am I just annoyed at that person when they chew? Like, is this something <laughs> that like, like, do I have to sit them down and be like, look, you're hurting my feelings or do I have to take a breath whenever they eat a salad and leave like the van or something like, <laughs> like what is actually like reality? Sometimes you can drive, anyone can drive you nuts. Like, no, hundred percent. And you are probably driving someone else nuts as well. <laughs> of course. Like, right. I'm sitting there being like, I don't do anything annoying, but it's like, mm. meanwhile, like three other girls are, are all, talking shit and yeah, they're texting and each other like yeah. what a bitch like right of course she never shuts up about herself <laughs> that's just how <laughs> the world works but um mm -hmm. so once that kind of ended when did, did you start uh begonia pretty quickly after like when did this project start yeah like this project started like 2016 Feel like i put out my first song okay it started pretty swiftly like we had our last tour dates 2015 and I was just sitting there feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready to be done, like being out there, being on tour. And I, and I know at the time I was just like, I think if I stop and like have a grieving period that I don't know if I'll start again, <laughs> like I was right. just, I was nervous, like to take that time to process. And it's revealed itself in different ways to me that like maybe taking more processing time is like cute and smart and stuff. Like, as I say, but like at the time I was like full steam ahead, didn't even really know what I was doing and was I starting another band? Was I doing a solo project? Like didn't really know, but just knew that I couldn't stop. Like, mm -hmm. so I had some other, uh, other people that I would sing with or write with like on the side of that band. And with that, with Chick in, it was like, we were all full equal members, full equal songwriters. So say I'd be home writing 10 songs a month or whatever, bring it to the band and maybe one or two would get on an album that was like just my, so I would have all these other songs in a cupboard somewhere, like just hanging out, like not knowing where they would go. So then that's when I started like opening the cupboards up and being like, what's in here? Oh, okay. So some <laughs> of these songs, some of the songs were written for the other group and it just yeah just idly written and they didn't fit anywhere because like i i was in like that band and then casually i was in another like kind of like alt country kind of band at home like more bar band stuff but would write songs for them too when i would be home then i was in another more like electronic -y kind of bedroom bedroom project like with a co-writer now who i write almost all my music with still oh wow yeah so then i i kind of then found my footing like with Matt Schellenberg and Matt Peters, they're two of like my best friends that were in another band called Royal Canoe. Now they go by Dead Men and they're like a production duo. Um, some of my closest friends, they were like some of my biggest encouragers of just like, let's do this. I had a few people in my corner that were like, let's do this. This, this band is done, you're not done. Like who kind of picked me up and were like, let's do it. So that really motivated me to just keep going. And I would write songs with them. And I had like a really, like a couple, thousand dollars for a budget to make an EP. But I was like, I don't want to wait. I want to start playing shows. I'm just going to put this together <laughs> and maybe it's not going to feel perfect, but it's like, this is what I have. And I have to just like start this wheel somewhere. And is that when you recorded Lady in Mind? Yeah. Wow. And, it, and it took a lot of like, yeah, pushing through like supposed perfectionism or whatever. Cause it was like, okay, I want, I only want to put stuff out there. And I hear a lot of like younger artists struggling with this too. It's like, I only want to put stuff out there when it's perfect, when it's done, when it's like, and I'm all about patience with the process. Like I'm not all about like, uh, put a song on TikTok when it's not done. Oh, no, I sometimes do that. I don't know. I just, I, I, I like patience with the process though. And I don't like that sense of urgency where it's like, put a song out just because you need to put the content out. It's like, put it out if you feel it, but like, you can wait. But with that specifically, it's like, I needed to put something out. I wasn't going to wait till I was perfect. I kept thinking of other artists that I loved and I could look back on their discography and maybe their very first album wasn't the most polished best thing, but if they wouldn't have put that out, there's no evolution. Like, right. I, don't I just kept like, that's like me talking to myself in the mirror. Like you just have to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> A couple things about me. I am so indecisive, but I love to cook. That's why HelloFresh is perfect for me. 
Our family has been using HelloFresh for well over a year now, so we're so excited to have them on board supporting this podcast. Typically, I'll go to the grocery store with absolutely no plan. No idea what I'm going to cook for the week, just going in there, kind of wandering down aisles, grabbing some things. I get home and realize I literally can make nothing. So HelloFresh makes this so easy. I can choose from over 40 weekly recipes. So not only does our family know what we're going to have on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but it saves me time going to the grocery store, either looking for one ingredient or trying to figure out what I'm going to be making. HelloFresh takes all of that hassle away by delivering fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you have exactly what you need, which will help me save my time. And it'll also cut down on a bunch of wasted food. I don't need to go buy a huge thing of spice and then I have to buy the big old tub of, you know, whatever it may be. And then it sits in my cupboard, taking up space, never to be ever utilized ever again. This doesn't just go for our delicious dinners. I mean, we do pick from the 40 weekly recipes, but you can also choose from over 100 items to round out your order, like snacks Easy lunches, desserts, stuff for the pantry. Everything arrives in one box on a delivery day that I choose. It comes every Wednesday. I know it's coming. My kids even love HelloFresh. I have a seven-year-old and a 15-year-old and just getting them to eat anything. Well, the 15-year-old, not so much, but the seven-year-old, so picky, loves the HelloFresh meals. Last night, we made the pineapple chicken tacos. It had some cabbage slaw, came with tortilla chips, green salsa, delicious and again all the ingredients come in the bag everything is right there for you hellofresh cares about the quality that's why their seasoned ingredients are picked at peak ripeness and travel from the farm to your house in less than seven days and right now we're going to hook you up with 16 free meals plus free shipping go to hellofresh.com slash backwards 16 and use the code BACKWARDS16 for 16 free meals plus free delivery. HelloFresh.com slash BACKWARDS16. Use the code BACKWARDS16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Were you nervous at all putting out, like, I mean, the first single you put out was just a standalone single, right? Gun has no yeah. trigger. And then when you did that, was it like, okay, are people, like, were you nervous about the fan base from the other group at all? Or were you not even thinking about that? Were you just like, okay, I'm, I'm I know I want to keep going. I'm just going to put this out and see. Yeah, I wasn't it, thinking about it too much. Like, I knew, I knew that it was going to be different, but I also knew that I came from that place organically. So it's not like I was trying to be like, who were they? I don't even know them. Like whatever. It was not, I wasn't trying, it wasn't that dramatic that I was trying to distance. Like one of my bandmates from Shikemin sang backgrounds in the first video I ever did. Like, Oh wow. I was like still feeling very like sentimental kind of about some of that too. Mm-hmm. But I remember the first like live video that I filmed like of Gun Has No Trigger, Juniper, and maybe out of my head. And I had all these like amazing outfits picked out, like sparkles and like flash and like more stuff that I would wear now. But I was so petrified of like coming on too strong or like being too, I don't know, like visually loud or like whatever, because I was so used to the uniformity of like being in a group and And that almost being like a shield in some way, like, and not having to come out on my own. So then like in the video, I end up dressing all in black. Like I look like someone's church mother (laughs) and like, I have like a long skirt on and like a black like top. And I'm like, like, just like church mother. But and in the background, like what I could see with all these like sparkly coats and these prints or whatever, but I was like, like I was, I brought them all, but then I was just like too terrified. So I was like, all black which is like whatever if all black is your thing but it's just like it wasn't but i just i freaked out right yeah because you kind of have with the band or the group you're you're all kind of the same you're you're part of a puzzle so i don't know you're yeah, like oh, totally and like you'd and wear then, something maybe a bit freaky and then someone would be like hey that doesn't really match right i'm wearing I, and i'd be go like go out and be like hey not only am i gonna wear this but it all eyes are on me anyway uh-huh so yeah, I could see how that could be a bit 
Yeah. Hard it's to freaky. freaky. I like that. It's uh, well, Juniper did awesome. Um, when that yeah. tell me about that song, like just having, you know, success with your own project, right? Like right out the first, you know, right off the first EP. Yeah, no, that was amazing. And it was like my manager had just kind of started his managing career like before me with the bros landreth but was just kind of like i was like i think the second or third artist that he had on his roster so like he was also building and i really trusted him i knew him he was an agent for shit gemin before mm -hmm. him and i were just in his apartment it was just the two of us i'm like should i post this like like just like feeling and he's like yeah post it like i just it was just the two of us like both building our careers like at the same time it was like a very nerve-wracking but like magical little time and and then a producer from cbc heard juniper and picked it up and started playing it on the radio and that was the first time that i had anything kind of like independent like net on national like canadian radio and then it was like on the charts and it went to number one and it was like that's huge just from in my like the internet is so wild like that where you're just like have this thing that you work on forever that just turns into this tiny little like mp3 or wave file that just like lives on a computer and you're like what the fuck and then it just went to these distances that i never anticipated which was yeah. so fun what when you i mean having that happen like getting your song on the radio and then like charting and all these things that are going on with the song um did that that must have changed a little bit i mean as far as your your path in life i mean would that was that like oh wow like all this stuff's happening now like and for it was sure. off my own song independently like for sure oh my gosh yeah like the i mean i live with imposter syndrome every day of my life so no matter what there's always this like gremlin inside of me being like are you sure like whatever but like <laughs> you don't deserve that <laughs> exactly <laughs> well exactly it's like there's a hamster living its truth in my mind but like i did feel very uplifted absolutely right. and it and it did feel then like legitimized in a way like mm -hmm. and i would always say to myself like i don't need any like external and i still whatever say that like praise to like make me like a, an artist or whatever but like it fucking helps like right having that validation would help right it or helps if, so much like to just like one yeah right, go ahead no I no no, no, you, 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 no, go no, no you go go for it. it it just like to feel that there are actually people listening right is, is incredible like yes i will make i will make art no matter what i'll make it in my basement i will make it feels like a dr seuss poem i'm starting or something i'll make it in a hat i will make it as a cat but like i will make it no matter what but like mm, it's so much nicer to share it and just to feel like i don't know i just just to have that connection like is everything to me yeah like you have being like having that validation right i mean if you were doing it and doing it okay you're like okay i'm gonna put out uh my my own record and see what that does and no one cares and then you put out another one and no one cares at what point are you like uh maybe i should try something a bit i don't know like i would imagine after a certain amount of time you just cut yeah it would be discouraging then you're like okay maybe i should be doing something else or maybe i should yeah join a band again or whatever but yeah. to have that like validation on the first ep that you released that's huge no it was awesome and then i had to make a band like to play with me which oh was yeah like, was that in, was that uh, difficult yeah it was so intimidating because i had never really like i'd been a band leader in various like bar bands or whatever but like i'd never really been like a leader of my own project in that way so i remember we had a show for like the winnipeg jazz fest or something was our first gig and i just brought together a lot of my pals or like people that i trusted just to like play the music with me and I didn't even know, like, I didn't even have a full set. So I was like doing some covers. I don't even remember what I did. And, but then we had a rehearsal at this rehearsal space and I was like puking, like in the, like, I was sick. I was ill, like beforehand, because I was like, I can't be the leader. Why am I the leader? I don't want to, can someone else be the point leader? I can't, I don't have any money to pay anyone else to be the leader, but I can't possibly be the leader. Like people, like it was, it was so, and I still get a little anxious about rehearsals, but like not as much as I used to it's cuter now i guess mm -hmm. it was so cute well when you put your and then you put out like a live album but also fear was the first your first album album right i mean yeah. and then that mm -hmm. one had you had success on that one as well like what would you say well like was uh 
before we talk about your new album, I want to, was there like a milestone or something that you can recall from that being like another I, like big victory from that? Obviously one of those. Getting nominated for a Juno. Oh yeah. That's huge. Having the opportunity to like uh, expand kind of my tour horizons a little bit, like more into North America and like people showing up to shows. Like uh-huh. that was amazing. Like I played five consecutive shows in Winnipeg at this one venue because they just kept selling out. And like, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was surprising to me. Uh-huh. Like I didn't un- understand that was right before the pandemic too. So it was this amazing like thing that we got to capture that I didn't even know would be as incredible as it was. Yeah. yeah There's a lot of like fun milestones and just like acquiring more confidence, more uh, like just uh, just doing more things, like just more experience. That's the word I was looking for. Just like yeah. feeling like I, I was pretty anxious though when that album came out to be fair, but like, and maybe that's a running theme, but I was just kind of in a different snack bracket then because I had achieved like a certain level of success with lady in mind. Then it felt like I was like legitimized a bit more, even to like grant funding systems, like people, because mm. in Canada, mm. like that's like a huge thing. Oh yeah. Canada, getting, I think New Zealand does it as well. Like the only two countries. It's amazing. Ever, it's it's yeah. allowed me to do so many things. So then that was awesome to level up that a little bit. Cause I could, make more music videos, like just do things that I'd always wanted to do that. I was just like a peanut, like scraping together little peanut shards, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, it was just like more difficult. Yeah. With that Juno, the Juno nomination must've been unreal. Do you remember the day you received that news? Well, and it was during lockdown time that I received received the news. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. Well, Damn. So did you have to do the Junos like this? Like a Zoom yes, Juno? Yeah, oh man. Did. I interviewed somebody else that was nominated. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, that year as well. I appreciated it enough because I did lose. So it was kind of fun to just be like, ah, goodbye, close the computer. And then <laughs> just to be like, well, that's over. Like, and I had a girlfriend that came over and she's like, I'm spraying champagne on your head, whether you win or lose. And then I was outside just like, ah, like she like, had a mask on like from a distance she's like spray champagne my neighbor came out and was like what the fuck are you doing I, like, <laughs> like, I just lost it you know like it was it was fun in that way because my headspace was so all over the place that it was kind of nice to not have to be like how's your career like to random people like all night like yeah it would have been so fun to be there for all the pomp and circumstance like the parties and all that stuff but. yeah but that's probably a, a lot of it right being able oh to go gosh. and you know yeah and like get a fancy dress and like whatever but then also again it was so nice when it's like you lost i was like bye close the computer like goodbye <laughs> sounds cute so that's, did you bye like just like whatever that's hilarious um so, I mean, having all that momentum going and like you said, you sold out five nights and then all this is happening and then the pandemic happens and you're like, oh, that must have been like deflating as far as you know, you're, <laughs> you're going. And then like the wind in your sails is like, Pfft. yeah. And everyone around me was like, this is your time. Oh, this is your time. And I fucking like I love the encouragement, but sometimes I'm just like, stop telling me that like. And then, it, of course, it like wasn't like because everything shut down. And then, right. but at first, I was on the phone with my manager, like weekly, kind of having updates, being like, "I'm still ready, ready for anything, man. You tell me when it's when we're when we're doing stuff. Like, I'm still ready, man." And then, like months would pass, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, still ready for whatever." <laughs> and then, like finally, it was just like everything's canceled indefinitely, and I was like, "I'm ready to cry now." <laughs> like, yeah, like I, my, my optimism could only go so far at a certain point yeah i think that's how everybody felt right it was exactly. like all right two weeks we're gonna flatten the curve and then it was like okay this is going a little longer okay now we're way past what we thought this was gonna be where are you um, based out of i'm in nashville tennessee but i'm originally okay. from san diego california but i moved here about two years ago in the okay. middle of the pandemic <laughs> okay that's huge yeah we love it but um <laughs> were you writing this record then 
during that time or did at first did no like yeah. at first there were all those like memes going around and shit being like oh can't wait for what the artists are going to produce like shakespeare wrote king lear like whatever and i was like eh, like just like whatever like <laughs> can't wait for what you produce like sourdough bread is great and like i want I was just, oh yeah, I forgot about the sourdough bread phase. I got so depressed. Like I, and so it was so cute to think like, oh yeah, now I'm going to rip up my guitar and like make a Joni Mitchell, like ask like Opus. But I was like, mm, I'm just like trying to survive. Like actually like, and again, like my optimism was cute for a minute and then it just went so far. And then I crashed really hard, like to the point where people around me were like, aren't we are worried about you. And I like pride myself generally in having like a relatively good poker face in that sense. So I was like, Oh shit. Well, if people are saying that, then I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Like then I'm just letting it all mm-hmm. go down. My, <laughs> yeah. my, my manager was like, so like, whatever, but like, I just set up a, uh, I set up like, if you're not doing anything today, like I have a therapist, like he's ready to talk to you like <laughs> you know 10 a.m just be there 15 minutes early also, like, no but you're definitely going and <laughs> no i did all that i did i did all the things i i i had to work hard though like to get out of that hole so that took me a year probably yeah i bet it'd be it could be uninspiring some people were like it was inspiring and then others like ah you know how inspired could you be not really living at all right oh my gosh and also just the pain in the world like i would wake up every day (laughs) just feeling like yeah really bad oh yeah (laughs) just like numbers on the tv i'm like i can't even handle the numbers on the tv like all the shit going on in your corner of the world with like George, like the oh, yeah. light of yeah, George, yeah. just all like watching it. And, and also the, the access on the phone, on my phone, like I was plugged in and I was already addicted enough to social media, but it was just, I was plugged in like from the day, from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed, I had nothing. I didn't have remote work. Like there was no distractions. Like that was <laughs> no distractions from the ultimate distraction. The distraction. Like I was, I was just like, plugged in to a point that like obviously it's good to be concerned connected and understanding what's going on in the world and like to do what you can and i still believe that but there was a certain point where it wasn't even productive or um i wasn't learning anything i was just in a spiral mm-hmm. of, of death and yeah. and sadness so it was like okay what how can i like take in what's going on, be a helpful citizen, be mindful of my impact and live. <laughs> right. And once you kind of, no, I mean, that's a hundred percent. I can relate to that. And then once you get to a certain point, was it like, okay, I, I like, was there something that kind of sparked a song or like what kind of got you? Yeah. I mean, there was a again? lot of things. Like I started some, cool medication i started some cool therapy like stuff that works for me that i'm not saying that's what works for everyone but it definitely worked for me like Mm -hmm. and i understand uh yeah it it just like my motivation just kind of took an uptick i guess a little bit and and the guys that i always write with they were always there being like we're ready whenever you're ready we're ready Mm -hmm. for you like if you if you feel like you want to start get and we we like before the pandemic, we had had a few different writing sessions throughout, like when I'd be touring for the other record, or even before the other record came out, like we're always just like creating things. So I had some things to pull from, from before. And then when I was feeling kind of like capable, because there was no time limit really on it, it wasn't like this like we just created a schedule basically. Once right, I felt like wasn't I as much pressure, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, we have uh, really no one's going anywhere or touring yet. So we kind of have endless time at this point. Absolutely. And, and I mean, shit kept getting canceled. Like we would book studio time and then someone was a close contact or like we would do it. And then someone like, so it had, we had to be very flexible with expectations as well. Like even if we had a sense of urgency, there was always something that was some sort of barrier to like getting it done whenever we thought it would be done. So this record probably finished a year later than I anticipated. Once I started understanding that I was making a record, like 
but at the same time, yeah, we just, as I'm sure many people had to learn, it's just like how to adapt to change mm-hmm. and be okay with it and not hold on to those plans too hard. Right. <laughs> was, was there something that ha- like on this, on this album, because you had more time to sit with it where did you find yourself like overthinking anything like, Oh, uh, like we have so much time. Like, going to sit there and tinker with like something very minimal maybe that you wouldn't if there was like more time crunch on always the thing though i'm like i'm like the mats i call the the mats dead men who i work with they are tinker town like they are tinker town like they tinker to like i would have to like get into the room and be like stop trying to find a snare sound like it's been three hours like just like we need to take a walk outside like they're tinker boys. So I would, which I love because I'm not the tinker town. Like I'm like, let's okay. do this in one take, see what we can do. I, I have perfectionist tendencies in certain ways, but I do like to just get shit done. Uh-huh. So it's a nice little balance. So yeah, yeah, I like the time, but I mean, that's just how we work anyways. Like the little tinker boys, like we are- said Nothing that didn't change. Not I mean, really, yeah. not really. Like, yeah, maybe there's like, no, we still like they're they're very good at like organizing sessions and stuff too. And I follow suit where it's like we have schedules, whether we need them or not. We make arbitrary deadlines that sometimes we hit, sometimes we don't, depending on like literal like natural causes. Like, and then like yeah, there's always a bit of tinkering, and that's like the essence with any record at any moment in time. It is always difficult to figure out when you're done, like when a song is done. Like you can get really in your head and be like, oh my gosh, this one violin line, like if it was just like this, then the song would be perfect. Whereas you show it to your closest friends and like, no one gives a fuck. Like no one notices, like it doesn't matter to the integrity of the song, but you can get so caught up in. Yeah. Yeah. No, life is life. I understand. Exactly. Most people aren't even going to notice, but you, yeah, you would be like, oh my God. Like up all night. Yeah. Over the small, over like, something, yeah. Put that clap in or not? One clap, like up on it. <laughs> uh, well, you're doing a, a tour to support it. You've done what about half of it, Kurt? Uh, so yeah, far, like you a got, quarter. Yeah, yeah, like half. I don't yeah, you're getting it, it's starting up again next week, I believe. Yeah, April 10th in Minneapolis is the first. Date. How's it going thus far? Has it been fun to get back out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for oh, the I, I always love touring. I mean, the highs are high and the lows are low. That is the vibe, especially in my cute little snack bracket. Cause I'm not famous enough that like we go to the U S and like people are like blowing down the doors. Like I never know what to expect. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, cause I try not to ask for ticket counts. Cause I like to just like be surprised. Uh-huh. And so then I'll show up at some venues and I'm like, Oh my gosh, a little over a hundred people here. Win of the century. Like I always say to the guys 15 or less, Maybe I'm stressed. 15 or more. And then I try to find a rhyme that applies. That's positive. Like, <laughs> 15 or more, we are happy. Something. Like, I don't know. Whatever. I just, but in Canada, things are like, I'm playing Rockin'. venues that I never thought that I would be able to play. So it's like, we play this kit and then we go down to the States and some places people come out. Other places like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, there are like 10 people there. It's like, you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I think that's just how it is. I always found it interesting, like Arkells are massive in Canada. Arena Stadium in Hamilton. They play multiple nights at the stadium. Yeah, and they played, I remember in San Diego when I first kind of got hip to them, I worked at a radio station and they played like this little tiny venue and I, <laughs> and people were like, oh my, I can't believe they're playing here. Like in Canada, <laughs> they're playing like stadiums. It's just so wild to see like the dynamic. I, it's hard not to let it get to your head a little bit. Yeah, I bet. It's, it's hard. Just... It's hard. Like the mental, it's like you, it's such a mental game, like touring right now. I still have the joy and the curiosity and the romanticism of it enough to get me through. Um, and the guys that I tour with are so supportive and sweet and the best band I've ever had, like players wise, like they're just like, um, they're amazing. I, I feel very lucky. Like there are, 
at every level, like I've been at the level lower and seen where I'm at now and been like, if only I could get there, like how would life be different? And now I'm there and I see a higher level and I'm like, if only I could get there, it's always going to be like that. So I'm trying so hard in this era to just be like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> and still be like a business-minded person enough to be critical and, and make changes where there needs to be change. And like, like, I'm not just apathetic, but I just want to enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. So I want, I, but I, this is my life. Like I want to enjoy the process, like not always be looking above like at what it could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I have one more question for you, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for doing. Oh that. yeah, my pleasure. So Thanks awesome. for the thoughtful questions. Yeah, yeah, I could see how that would. You, you, you're always shooting for a higher thing. It's like if you would have told yourself, probably even when you put out, you know, Juniper, like, oh, you're gonna have a song on the radio, and that's gonna be this and that. You're like, that'll be it. But when you get there, you're like, this is great, but what about exactly? This? <laughs> like always striving, and and I and I think there's something like good to be said about that. Like, I don't have just like one goal that then everything will be realized and I can just be done. Like, right. That's like life too. It's like, I'm not just like, Oh, I did it. Right. Especially creatives. I've heard somebody say, you know, it's just, you never arrive in in music. You never arrive. Like always striving. Right. That's the trick that you can play on yourself that I think is a sad game that I understand when like, you can trick yourself into thinking that there are these arrival points and there are many, there are many arrival points, definitely. Mm -hmm. But if you don't enjoy, if you don't enjoy the journey, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. It's just like, you're fooling yourself. Like if you don't have humor, you're fooling yourself. Like, and you're making life so much harder than it needs to be. (laughs) For sure. No, I have one more quick question. You're kind of answering it now. So I'm just going to ask it. Uh, If you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. I mean, enjoy the ride. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the ride. When you're first starting though, just go, go out and play, like go to venue, like look, look in your paper, wherever, see a venue that you think a band is playing that you like and go there and hang out, like meeting people and the hang of it all is something that like you don't necessarily learn like in school but it's like just being around like creating community is so important and like finding your voice figuring out how to do things being inspired so it's like a way to create community is putting yourself out there and it's terrifying but like just it doesn't have to all happen right away just like keep playing try to enjoy it the hustle is so real when you're first starting though. It's like, you have to, you have to want it. You have to have that sense of urgency and it has to be in you, not because you want to be famous, but because you love it. Because if you just want to be famous, it is going to be a very sad world for you to live in if that's all that you're after. But if you love it, it's still sad sometimes, but you get a different fulfillment out of it. I, I, I believe it. 